Hey, how's it going, Universe? Welcome to another episode of Zoobox Goes to the Movies. Joining me again. Oh my gosh. It's like we just were here. Um, yes. Zoobox Corporate has graced us once again. He sends me a message in a panic. He says, have you ever seen The Shootist? <laughs> no, well, I, I like if you guys listened to the last episode of the cocktail, I just kind of left an open invitation for Mike. Anytime he watched something that he thought would be worth talking about, let me know. A couple days later, he's like, yo, dude, I watched The Shootist. You ever see The Shootist? It's John Wayne's last movie. And I was like, no, I've never seen it. I had never seen this movie, which is kind of shocking. I, yeah. Like, I, I, it's like I think I've seen like maybe like parts of it or watched documentaries about John Wayne where they talked about it. Because okay. even though I hadn't seen it, I kind of felt like <clears throat> I had seen it before. And it's also the kind of movie that's like an amalgamation of every Western. It's basically, it's kind of like the proto Unforgiven. There's some parallels to yeah. Unforgiven. We were talking about Unforgiven a couple weeks ago. I don't think on the podcast or anything, maybe just probably. No, but Un- Unforgiven was made after, correct? Yeah, yeah. So this is like yeah. a precursor to the same kind of idea, the same notion of somebody that's lived a life of questionable kind of moral foundation or at least that's part of the story is like whether or not that's true or not. And, and then that their life going forward as old men and like what yeah. that means. And, and one of the things was different was he, I don't, they kind of made it sound like he wasn't an outlaw. He was, and he wasn't cause he was like an, he was a sheriff as well. Yeah. We're going to, well, yes, we're, we're going to get into that. Definitely. Um, so just to, right off the bat, this is from 1976. It's directed by Don Siegel based on a book by Glendon Swarthout, which I actually listened to the audiobook uh, this afternoon. Um, it's John Wayne's final film role. Like we said, the screenplay was adapted by the son of the author, uh, Miles Hood Swarthout and Scott Hale. It stars John Wayne, Lauren Bacall, Ron Howard, James Stewart, Richard Boone, Hugh O'Brien, Harry Morgan, John Carradine, Cherie North, Scatman Crothers, and Rick Lenz. Um, It won a few awards. It was actually pretty well received at the time it came out. Um, And yeah, and, and we're off to the races. So, Mike. You've. This was obviously not your first time seeing this, right? No, I've watched this movie many times. This was my father's favorite John Wayne movie, so I've seen this movie. I don't know uh, more than a handful of times. Yeah. in my life. Wow, that's crazy. This was your dad's favorite because I know your dad is just a big John Wayne guy in general. Yeah, it's interesting that this one would have been his his favorite of them. I guess. Yeah, this was his favorite one. Uh, at least that's what he told me one time. So I'm going with it. <laughs> But and, uh, I mean, it's overall, it's a, it is a great movie. I I think it's like so fucking close to being like a classic. Yeah, it's so close. There is something missing, and that's one of the reasons why I decided to listen to the book because I had the chance to. I was like, oh, cool, I can do it for free, so I'm going to listen to the audiobook. And I was thinking, like, oh, maybe the audiobook will like elucidate something. It'll fill in some gaps or some information, or it'll have a stronger through line and. To much to my surprise, the movie is a pretty faithful adaptation of the book. Like most of the scenes in the movie are like line for line, beat for beat, the same as in the book. That's awesome. I uh, love the, when they do that. The only thing that's different, I would say, is that you get a little bit more information about the guys he ends up fighting at the saloon at the end. Okay. You actually understand them kind of as more of villains. They're more like villainous openly. Like like raping and fucking murdering people and stuff like they're bad dudes. 
Some yeah, guys. The main guy, Cobb, is the one that the movie kind of flashes back to a couple times with him hanging out in the saloon playing cards, and he ends up shooting that old man and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's not much backstory in the movie on those. On those. Not, uh... Well, there's not much backstory to anybody. Even uh, even Book himself, even JB Books, like he is kind of a, an enigma a little bit. He's a little bit of a mystery, and part of the story you would think would be kind of to reveal a little bit more about his actual past. But the movie and the book takes us, or the the book goes into it a little bit more because you get inside the head of the character, so you can mm-hmm. hear his monologue and his thoughts, so you definitely understand him more. But he's like this kind of like principled man. He's like, I don't have to explain myself to anybody, and I'm just not going to. You think what you want to think. Like that's his whole worldview. Like that's how he treats everybody, right? Yeah. You know, because that's like kind of one of the themes of the movie is like this idea that you are not in control of your own legacy of your own legend. People will think whatever the fuck they want to think. Cause to him, the few times he does kind of start talking when he gets being accused of being a murderer and stuff, he's like, they were all in self-defense. They're all good shoots basically. But nobody thinks that like that's So his perception of it is clearly different than the public's perception. And you're never, ever sure who really is correct. Is he yeah. a man who lost his way? Cause like you had mentioned and they, they brush right the fuck over this. Like he was a sheriff. Like you yeah. blink, you, if you blink, you would miss that. Like that's like a very small. It's like one line, and it's never brought up again. Yeah, well, that's where it's weird. He's kind of like an outlaw, but he was like an outlaw sheriff because he's not technically wanted for anything. Well, not technically, but he has a reputation where yes. like, he rolls into uh, when he rolls into town. Um, what the hell is the name of the town they're in? Isn't it a famous town? It's in Arkansas or something. Like Silver City or yeah, City? but when he, but that town, the re, he's known in that town from a previous event. Yes, where he had a shootout. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know if he's known like that everywhere, but in that town, he's a big deal because of his previous past where he had a shootout before. Yeah, and they make kind of reference that he he even has some roots there, right? Like this, like there's an old girlfriend that comes back. Yes, yeah. And like yeah. basically begs him to marry her so she can basically make money off of his name after he's but dead. But is she from that town? I think so. I mean, it would stand to reason that she would be at least from the area, right? Like, because you got well, she gets about, a but but they they make a reference of her getting a train ticket. Yeah, but it had to be somewhere close because if you think of the time period, I mean, yeah. it, it took a long time to travel, so she couldn't have been that like more than a few or a day away or something, right? Yes, yeah. Well, in that general, I I think in that general area, he's from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. And obviously, word got to her, or the report, or the reporter got to her, so he knew it must have not have been too far because yeah, obviously, mail didn't travel overnight. Yeah, because she wants to basically take <clears throat> his name, become his widow, and then tell his story to the newspaper and yeah, sell which it. Yeah, fucked up. <laughs> yeah, which is a great. So one of the best moments in the movie was like John Wayne as for a performer, and he looks at her. He's like, "I loved you, like I used to love you." Yeah, and she, this is what you're doing. This is what you're doing. Did you come to me and you do this? <laughs> Here's the thing, Sean. I don't think a lot of people understand like how good of an actor. Now John Wayne has some cheesy movies. Like if you go watch like Donovan's Reef or Big Jake, like yeah. there's just some cheesy ass movies that he's made but some of john's wayne acting it it's just so damn good 
Well, he, he has like, a, he definitely has a range, right? But like yeah. when he, when the script or whatever is like perfectly just matches with his persona and his physicality, like I would say the Cowboys, the Searchers, yeah. True Grit. Those are movies that are not just like good performances, not just perfect roles, but they're movies that almost you he needs to be John Wayne to play those parts because he brings his entire history of an as a performer, as an actor, all the parts he played he brings with him to those roles. Same yes. thing that he, especially in the shootest, the shootest literally starts with a montage of old John Wayne footage. Yeah. I mean, oh, I know it's awesome. Yeah. And dude, one of the lines I love in that movie. And I wrote it down here because it's my favorite line. Do you know when he takes, uh, the young, uh, Rogers out shooting? Yeah. And they're walking and they're drinking the whiskey. And basically, the young buck is telling him, hey, these are what all the other gunfighters told me about their philosophy yeah. and how they live. You know, don't blink and all this stuff. And John Wayne, he lives by this code. I won't be wronged. I won't be insulted. I won't be laid a hand on. I don't do these things to other people. And I require the same from them. Yeah. That's my favorite fucking line in the whole movie. Well, because that's like, you know, there is like a sense of this movie in the same way I think like Clint Eastwood kind of taps into with Unforgiven is that he's the, he's the, a dying breed. He is the last of the noble gunmen. Yeah. Literally, like that's kind of how he's posited. Like you're the last samurai. Because all yeah. the other gunmen are pieces of shit. Like Cobb, the guy that, like the evil fucker that's hanging out at the saloon, is a gunman. Yep. Is a, is a scoundrel, but he's a piece of shit. He has no code. He'll shoot you in the back. Yes. He'll yes. shoot you in the back, which is not something that John Wayne's character would do, which is interesting because in the script originally, he shoots the bartender in the back. And John Wayne was like, no, that's not happening. Oh, really? Yeah, he's like, I'm John Wayne. I'm not shooting anybody in the back. Does uh, which is, is that interesting. in the book? Um, no, the book is just much more like nebulous. It just kind of doesn't. Okay. Yeah, it didn't leave a lasting impression whether he shoots him in the back or not. He maybe he does. I can't remember exactly. But that's crazy that they he changed that in the movie because how the bartender died was actually great by me. I loved it. I well, loved he, how the young guy picked up and and shot him. That well, was way have, better than if John but, Wayne. Oh, this I think the original ending is uh, Gillum shoots him. Okay. Gillum's the one who kills him. Kills uh kills book. Or books, rather. JB Books. He's the one that kills him. And he, throws, he throws down his gun in disgust and it just like walks away, basically kind of implying that he's walking away from a life of violence or whatever. Because he's clearly on a path either to be like a John Wayne type, like either to be like books or to be like Cobb. Like they're yeah. In the movie and the book, they don't do a great job drawing this this thing that they're trying to touch on, which is this generational thing. Which is like uh, ties into what people think of John Wayne in terms of like what legacy have you left behind? Then he meets this young man, kind of takes him under his wing a little bit, tries to like give him like a more pure sense of maybe the type of man that he would want to be, and kind of helping him understand that things are not always what they seem, et cetera, et cetera. But the ultimate goal is really to get him to not do this shit. That's much more explicit in the book and the movie. I think is trying to say that and does not do a great well, job. Well, I got that. that. I, because you... John Wayne makes like reference to it. Um, I I, I kind of thought that's what John Wayne was trying to tell them when they went shooting. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, John Wayne's he's like gives him a warning too. He's just like, listen, 
uh, some fucking idiot who can't hit the broad side of the barn is probably the one that's going to kill you because that's just how it goes. Yeah, that's how that's how life out here is when you're when you live this lifestyle. That's how it goes. You're not going to go out in a blaze of glory. You're not going to go out in a moment of greatness. You're just not. Like I mean, books himself like artificially creates the circumstances for himself to die in a gunfight. Yeah, like, he does. He, 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 he makes tells, it. He tells everybody where he's going to be. Yeah, his birthday. He's going to go have a drink, and they all puts on a Sunday outgoing clothes. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know one of one of my the bonds, the lady that runs the inn. Yeah, Lauren. What Bacall. a great performance, man! Come she on, she was great. Yeah, Lauren Bacall's a great actress too. That was great. That was just like she she's just like the typical old, uh, you know, rugged, weathered intaker that doesn't take anyone's shit. Yeah, you know that's that that's had a hard, difficult life. Yeah, she's the tell. she's the widow. Yeah, she's the widow. And she played it perfect. It was awesome. Yeah, well, and that's the thing about this movie is that every character pretty much is played by like a great actor. Everybody, down from Scatman Crothers, he's like the stable guy who's like the horse dude. Yep, yeah, um, I know that guy. He's played yeah, he, in other movies. He's in The Shining. He's mostly a, mu- a musician, but he started being in movies. Okay. Uh, uh, then you got Jimmy Stewart comes in just for a couple scenes as a favor to John Wayne. John Wayne apparently had to beg him. To do it, Lauren Bacall is a friend. Is of Jimmy John Stewart Wayne. the doctor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was very old. Apparently, uh, they had a lot of problems. This was actually a very problematic production. They were okay. get a lot of behind the scenes fights. Oh, really? Yeah, John Wayne and the director Don Siegel did not like share <laughs> the same idea about what this movie was supposed to be like. Okay. <laughs> John John Wayne actually, I think, had more of the right idea. He wanted it to be like big and grand and mythic almost. Like he wanted to use the landscape and yada yada yada. But when you watch the movie, it's like doesn't really utilize that in terms of like the cinematography of the movie. It's pretty basic, other than the yeah. opening scene. Yeah, the but, opening scene when he rides into the town is great, but other than that, it's no, which is beautiful too with the mountains. It looks fucking awesome. Yeah, but most of the movie is just, is indoors in rooms. There's not yeah. a lot of there's not a lot of like encapsulating kind of the mythic nature of the West or whatever. Or it's waning days or you you like that's what I mean about this movie is so close to greatness. Like it it's too small. Like it's such a small movie. It's an it, like and it's I wanted it to be like bigger. I wanted I wanted it to like which is not fair to the movie by the way. That's just me being nitpicky. But okay. like I just, but I wanted it to be like this big mythic thing, this big old man John Wayne, like his last. Even though they did not know that this was going to be his last movie, but it parallels too perfectly his real life, where it's like you know he's playing an old cowboy dying of cancer. Well, that's how a couple of years later, that's what happens to John Wayne, which he had cancer from like the 1960s all the way, like he had like half a fucking lung removed back in the 60s. Holy Holy yeah. shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was very sick during this. He had to leave. They had to shut down production for like a couple, like three or four weeks, I think. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Jimmy Stewart could barely hear. And the, apparently the movie is so low budget that, and that's why it's, that's why it takes place all indoors because it's very low. Budget. Oh, I see. So they could just build sets and they didn't have to worry about the weather and shit like that. Yeah. And also you get a bunch of old people. Yeah, yeah I mean, but jo- <laughs> well, Jimmy Stewart why... literally couldn't hear the lines. He couldn't hear his cues, and the director was getting pissed, thinking that they were like fucking with him on purpose because him and John Wayne were fighting. 
Okay. He's like, no, he just couldn't hear hear the cues. He just couldn't hear it because the echo is so bad, I guess. Because they build these things in like big sound stages, which is like a big warehouse. And I guess there wasn't a lot of sound dampening stuff going on. So like okay. it was just crazy echoes, but Okay. Yeah, see when I watched it as far as like the sceneries go in the I kind of thought it was meant to be like that because he's older and he's dying. So he's like on like his deathbed almost. Yeah. So that's why I figured a lot of it was taking place like in his, in the end, a lot of it's in the end. There's a bunch of scenes where it's in the end that he stays at. So that's why I kind of, I wasn't like, I I think it it makes, it makes sense in that sense. But I, I thought like the, like, cause it does deal with the idea, like I said before about like him being like the nat the last noble gunman. What is the next generation doing? And then what is the generation after that generation doing? And I would have liked to have seen like little touches of like, maybe if we had gotten to know the bad guys a little bit better, cause you could have yeah. seen like how the West is changing and you use those characters to illustrate it and have him be the person that has to kind of save the town from them. Cause that's kind of what happens. It's just it's not as it's not as explicitly told because these guys are kind of terrorizing this town a little bit in the background of the movie of the background of the story. And well, um, okay, I know one of them is the guy that delivers the milk. He's kind of like a scumbag, but then Sweeney, the guy that owns the vehicle, the car. Yeah, I thought he's just kind of out there on his ranch. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I wish that they showed, which I've always like, I. I did like a vision in my head of it is when Gilbert goes out to fetch Sweeney to tell him, mm-hmm. Hey, John Wayne's going to be at this bar or whatever at this time. I always wish that they showed him riding out there on, on dollar, the horse. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Well, and if, yeah, and if you, yeah. Yeah. Cause it would have like has, it would have like this interesting meta layer of this, like the new kid who's going to get this horse who ends up getting the horse at the end of the movie, yeah. but like showing you that he's like, the new messenger. He's like, he's like the new, the new hope for the future using this like old man's code, which I guess, yeah. cause you know, people's horses meant so much to them back then. So well, back then. And I think that's the same horse. Well, it looks like the same horse as he uses. Cause John Wayne always uses, he loves the, the ones with like the four white stocks on like, you know, like the stocks on the, they have the four white stocks and like a chestnut. That's what he yeah. always rides. Yeah. And I think that's the same horse. I don't know if it is. It looks just like the same horse from um, the one one of the great ones that they remade. What's it called? Oh, True Grit. True Grit. It might. That be. might be the same horse. It's, I think it, it is. I mean, it's possible because there's only a uh, little less than a decade in between, eight years in between. So that conceivably, that horse could have still been alive. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it is or not, but I know that he always rides. John Wayne always picks a chestnut with the four white stocks. He always likes a white stripe on the head. Oh yeah, that's what I pick up from John Wayne movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was he was a very he was very particular about his image. Yeah, like that's why certain things in the movie he like he wouldn't do. He wanted to change. Like he, this is one thing I think the book is way better for just this character. John Wayne would not allow himself to be as vulnerable in the movie as the character is in the book. The character's like in the in his head is like desperate. He's falling down all the time. 
He can barely fucking walk. Like, so it ends up, it kind of has this buildup, like, especially towards that last gunfight. Okay. He can, he can barely get there. And he's oh, just really? everything inside of him to fucking stand up at the bar and know about what's going to happen and still going to go out the way he wants to go out on his own terms. Like, this movie, like, you understand that he's sick and there's a scene where yeah. he can't get out of the tub. But other than that, he's like, no, nah, dude, I just drank a bunch of laudanum. And he's, like, dancing around. <laughs> Yeah, they don't make him very sick. Like, he is sick, but they don't make him, like, deathly bedridden sick. Yeah, I wish he was more, like, overt about his sickness, because it's there. And I feel like there's, like, this cheat of the laudanum thing where they just really lean on that, where they're like, that's why he's not acting sick. But really, a lot of it had to do with John Wayne himself just not wanting to look like that on camera. Like he doesn't, he would never want to present himself as like a frail old man. And part of that, I think, is like almost like a short sightedness on him as a, as an actor and the way he thought of himself. Because what is more dignified than somebody fighting through that to get to the end of their life and end on, in the, especially the way the movie ends. Right? Yeah, like, that would have been. Uh, now that you mentioned that, they definitely. I you know I thought about that too. I mean, like this, like because I thought in my head sometimes I'm like, well, why is he going? to this gunfight i know that he knows he's gonna die but it's old i mean this is in the 1902 you know medicine is primitive it's not like they you know they can just do certain checks and but if it was me and i was in that situation when i'm watching the movie he was sick but he wasn't like deathly ill sick like you're talking about in the book to where he knows he's gonna die like in the movie it's like yeah he's been told that he's gonna die but he's not bedridden yet. He's not like he's falling over a bunch. He's having some things. Yeah. But that could have been back then. I mean, that could have been a number of things. Well, exactly. I mean, and I, I just think it would have been just to more clearly illustrate the actual kind of dilemma he's in. And also it's a problem I have with the book as well. Like there is no giant stakes for what he's doing. Like this, like this for him to do this, it's just kind of a self-serving move unless you set up the stakes of, of the, of like what's going on in the town. Like, cause he's going to go there to fight these guys really just to kill himself. Yeah. Isn't he's not that even, the point? he's not even really concerned, but that's what I mean. But like, that doesn't do anything for his legend or his hero, his heroism. Maybe the, you know, that's just me. Cause I am so familiar with John Wayne. I expect him to have like a heroic act when it's really, not super heroic. He no, kinda... I never viewed it as heroic. I just viewed it as, I viewed it as this. When I watch it, I viewed it as the character John Wayne is playing doesn't want to die a death in a bed, like yeah. be bedridden. He just he wants to just be shot and be put out of his misery. Yeah, and he, before and he gets to that point, and he doesn't want to blow his own brains out because this is like this is the whole thing about like. Uh, about the extension of like, what will people think of me? What do people think of me? Like that's yeah. such a, it's a big part of the movie. It is. Part and, of and that character. Because the doc actually says to him when the last time he sees the doc, the doc said, I'll give you some advice. And he basically says, if I had this, I would blow my brains out. Yeah, no, he does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's very, what he says to him. Yeah. It's a very like a seventies, like, dark 70s movie thing at the time like i felt like it was just people all the time were saying shit like that in movies (laughs) 
because even like the novel itself, the novel is a contemporary novel. The novel only came out a year before the movie comes out. So they wrote the novel. Oh, they must have gotten the rights to the novel like before it was even published, and then they make the movie The Shootist. Um, okay. So the mo- so the book itself also has like a a kind of a dark, depressing edge to it. But I felt like in the book, he just his heroism in the book, like the thing that really draws you to the character is this like is his personal struggle. Like he's struggling through this intense amount of pain. Well, kind of trying to make up for some of the things maybe he thought he fucked up in his life. Be a good example for somebody because he never had a son. Like yeah. be good to a woman because he was always running. He always like ran out and shit. Like there was just all these overtures in his life, all this regret he has, but he doesn't. And th- and he's like trying to almost like deal with it all like within a week. He's <laughs> like, you know, I'll give some people some money. I'll to give this kid some advice. I'll help him out. I'll make this widow feel wanted. Um, you know, I'll be like a paternal presence to her son for a week. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then he's just like, and then I'm going to kill myself. But, uh, and what one of the interesting things in that movie, man, is like back in 1902 is just how people view death. Like it's when like the, the night, um, they, the, what, what do they call those people that put people in coffins? The night, uh, Oh, the, uh, <laughs> not the executioner. No. What do they call uh, them? Oh my God. Morticians. Yeah, but what do they call him in the movie? He has a sign above his door. It says like the. Oh shit! I know. Ex- yeah, because you're talking about the John Carradine character, the guy who sees him at the barber. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. But remember. he has something. He's like uh, the intaker. Yes, that's I what they call so. him, the intaker. Yeah. But just how they view death, like he wanted him to. He wanted to basically buy John Wayne's dead body to make money off of it. Yeah, to be like a shrine. Yeah, but a- they would never do that nowadays. No, well, unless you're Catholic and you've done no, but good, I mean, <laughs> then they'll do it. But just um, how they viewed it, like he was gonna put him on display. Yeah, because he was like a novelty. He's a celebrity. Yeah, they're gonna, that's just they're gonna weird. Pump him full of fucking chemicals, turn him yellow, lacquer his ass up, and throw him out there for people to come see for a quarter, a dime, whatever, penny. And that's, but that's the reality, though, because I think you're right. Like, like the 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 perspective on the value of life. And like a person's personal integrity and stuff kind of doesn't exist at this point in history because it was so frequent to just fucking die. Whether yeah. that's falling off your horse or getting lost in a canyon or getting shot at a bar or whatever, like people died for really stupid fucking reasons back then. And it was all the time. All the time. All the time. So you, you just got to have the sense of like, oh, well, you know, another dead guy. Yeah, like, just, but this one, you know, but this one's a, I can make some money off of him though. Like, yeah, and and just how he went up and like approached him and talked to him, but like he was talking to him, like I feel like that kind of conversation, nobody would, ha- at least in the Western world, nobody would have a conversation like that personal when someone's about to die. I think back then they would have. Yeah, back then they would have, but well, I'm because, talking about now. Well, you guys, no, not now. No, no, no that no, would never, probably, never probably happen. Probably not. Probably not. Unless Dan, if Dan, if I ever find out Dan is dying, <laughs> I'll do that to him. But uh, no, I. But I think you know. But even in the movie, like the guy is trying to pull one over on him. Like it's oh, John yeah. Wayne that calls him out. He's just like, you're gonna fucking. I know you're not. I know what you're doing. Like. Because, you know, the guy's like, oh, I'll put you in a beautiful silver coffin and last a thousand years, undisturbed, yeah. and, uh, you know, free of charge, free of charge. 
<laughs> just you know, because he's trying to be like, oh, you know, you're JB Booker or books yeah. rather. Well, because he, he he doesn't tell him that he's gonna display him. He just tells him, hey, I'll. Well, John Wayne know. just knows. He just knows. Yeah, and he because it's a common him. thing. But you also got to remember, his character is the last of these gunmen. So he's like lived a life where he's seen other famous gunmen die, and what's happened to them? Oh, yeah, he, that's true. Remember, because when he first introduces himself to uh, what's her name, Lauren Bacall's character, Bond. Bond. He's like uh, he says he's his name is a uh, Hickok, like Wild oh, Bill yeah, Hickok. Yeah, Bill. So, yeah, Wild Bill Hickok. Yeah, that's who he said. Well, he says his name is Hickok. He doesn't say his name is Wild Bill, but. This Wild Bill would have been like, you know, a couple decades before this probably died, right? So yeah, he would Wild, have been a- and Wild Bill did die because Gilbert knew that. Yeah, Gillum knew that, yeah. Yeah, Gil- oh, is it Gillum or Gilbert? I don't know. It's Gillum. Gillum. Gillum, okay, yeah. Gillum. <laughs> and that's uh, old Ron Howard there, Opie from fucking, uh, what's it, the Griffith, the, the Griffith Show. Isn't that what's that called? I don't know. <laughs> You used to, you've seen the show, sir. What show? The oh my god, I cannot believe I'm blanking. That's like so sad. <laughs> the not Dennis the Menace. Come on, where is it? The Andy Griffith show. God. Oh, the, oh, that's the little kid. Yeah, and then he's also in. Uh, oh my goodness, that's that little bastard. Yeah, he's also was in Happy Days. Yeah, oh, shit, Days, yeah. oh my goodness. I was yeah. watching the Andy Griffin show like yeah, I used to watch it all the time. quarantine hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's him. That's open. Wow. Um everybody's a little aged up in the in the uh in the movie too. In the book, everybody's a little younger. Like the because I mean, if you think about it back then, like a gunman, a gunslinger to be alive at like 70. Well, that's the thing. Pretty rare. So in yeah. the book, in the book, he's like in his early fifties. Like, and everybody's okay. everybody's a little bit younger. They okay. aged, they aged everybody up in this, huh? You know, to kind of meet John Wayne because they cast yeah. John Wayne because originally they wanted to um, cast uh, what's his name? Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, Lula. I can't remember his name. God damn, I'm having a total brain fart right now. This is not cool. Sorry, everybody at home. Uh, George C. Scott. Don't George, know who that is. George C. Scott. You ever see Patton? No. Patton about the general. No, I uh, haven't. Doctor Strange Love. Oh, whatever, man. They had to have John Wayne. Like, why wouldn't you want John Wayne? Why wouldn't you want John Wayne? No, I mean, yeah, I, no, I mean, I, no. The producers and stuff definitely wanted John Wayne. The director did not want John Wayne. Sounds like this director didn't know what he was doing. Well, the director, he's, you know, he's directed movies you might have seen. Uh, he did. Dirty Harry, the original. Okay. He did uh, Coogan's Bluff, which is another another um, Eastwood movie. He did Escape from Alcatraz, another Eastwood movie. Did oh, the origi- I've seen that. Yeah, I've origi- seen a lot of these movies. The original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. There's um, a lot of good old movies that I feel like people don't. I feel like this. I feel like when you tell somebody or when you show them, when, when you first start to show them the movie, they're like, oh, this thing's old. But once you actually get into these movies, a lot of them are really good. Yeah, they're super engrossing. They're just like any, any, just like any movie, whether it's now or fifty years ago. Like if it's a good story, you'll it's get good. into it. You'll get into it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter when it's made. I mean, you have to get over the barrier of like kind of the superficial, 
like just the way it's presented or the style of acting or something like that. Like you got to get over that. And once you get over it, it doesn't matter because it's just a story about people. And that's really all there is to it. Like these themes are universal. Like it doesn't matter if it's a, a Western or if it's a World War II movie or it's a, it's a zombie movie, like whatever. Like the, all the characters are just, they're trying to, trying to be human beings. Yeah. That's what they're trying to represent. But yeah, I, I just feel like if people will go back and watch some of these old movies from the 60s and 70s, or even from like the 50s, like a lot of these movies, they're just like really good movies. At least for me, I like them. I really enjoy like a lot of these old movies. Like they're just good. No, there's it's, it's to, I mean, so many of the most classic movies ever made are old. Yeah. Actually, you know what's the movie? I tell everybody to watch this movie. I what think is you, it? I think me. you would really love it. You have HBO Max, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Hold on. <laughs> He's writing it down for the people listening. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Uh, it's directed by John Huston. It stars uh, Humphrey Bogart. Okay. It's awesome. You, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. It's about guys that go out trying to uh, go out west trying to get gold. Oh, I'll watch it. It's yeah, like, yeah, dude. You no, I'm serious. You're gonna love that movie. Like, if you okay. like old movies, like that is like all time. I would put it in my like top twenty movies ever made. Oh 100%. wow. Okay, I'm gonna watch or, it. Have you ever have you ever seen a movie from the '70s, uh, The Man Who Would Be King? Sean oh, Connery like... and uh, Michael Caine. I feel like I have, but maybe when I was a kid, I don't. know. Another great movie. Another all timer. What, what's it called again? The Man Who Would Be King. I think I've seen this, but I'll you, look it up. You may have seen that one, but that's yeah. Movie. But those are two to check out if you never have. I would say uh, the Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Definitely, that seems like a very Mike, a very Mike movie tonight. Okay, it's a movie about dudes digging for gold, not <laughs> trusting each other. They're all kind of dirtbags out down there in the fucking the desert, like in the mud and the dirt and. Okay, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. So, 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 what did you give this movie overall? I would give it like a seven. I would say it's a solid seven. I think honestly, what makes the movie work the most are the things that have very little to do with the movie itself. Like the fact that you know going in, this is John Wayne's last performance. Like you have all of these extra layers to it that you're bringing to the movie. Uh, that actually probably elevates the movie a little bit. I think it's okay. a good. It's it's. I would say it's one of John Wayne's better performances, one hundred percent. Maybe in his top three performances. Yeah, it's very good. On like, I just feel like the way he acted in it was. I don't know. I just feel like sometimes when John Wayne gets the right script, the right movie, it's just perfect. There's what a couple you, of them. What would you give it? What would you give it out of ten? Uh well, if it was like I was thinking of a five, so I was gonna say like a four and a quarter, but I would say like an eight. An eight, yeah. I yeah. think. And I think it's something also like if I sat with it more, being like more new to the movie is definitely gonna like, you know, I don't have as much familiarity with it as you do. So like you talking, well, you know all the, but you know the nuances of the movie and the story. Like you've seen it so many times. Me coming in, like I watched it twice and I listened to the audiobook. I still had some questions that you were actually able to answer those. Like you had some specific things, even specific criticisms that I might not have thought of because of being so new to it yeah i mean like i said i watched that movie like i used to watch john wayne movies i i haven't seen all the john wayne movies sean but i've seen a lot of them 
You've probably come pretty well. Actually, I think it's did he say it was like a hundred and seventy movies or something? Yeah, and 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 really the ones I haven't seen are more of like the non-Western ones. Have you ever seen? You've seen The Quiet Man, right? Yes. I was gonna say because that's like that's actually the movie that made him really famous. Yeah, it's, it's not really a west actually because he. I watched his first big western last night too. What's uh, that? Stagecoach. Oh, I've seen that. That's yeah. when he's really young. That's like uh, he had been acting for almost a decade at that point. Okay. And he had been in a few smaller roles. He had had one starring role. Okay. But that, but that was his first like big movie because it was made by like a really good director. It was made by John Ford. And okay. It's like he's like an iconic. He's like becomes a movie star because of that movie. But it's really. Um, then he did Red River. Like yeah, and and that. that's what I was gonna say. Red River, in my opinion, is one of his best. Oh yeah, movies. To Actually, me, what do you think is one of his best performances? Like, what is your favorite John Wayne performance? Mine. Yeah. It's probably either the Cowboys or the Red River. Those are my two favorite. Yeah, I mean, Red River is really good. Yeah, often, I love Red River. Often overlooked, I think. But like, yeah, it's, it's a very good movie, and he's very good in it. It actually is like the first time he's like uh, gives like a like a performance performance. Like he's yeah. really he's really good in it. And that's actually he was so he impressed his friend John Ford so much. He's like, oh, you got a lot better. Yeah, you want to be in the Quiet Man, and then he puts <laughs> him in the Quiet Man, and then he blows up because of the Quiet Man. Okay, yeah, and 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 I I love in the I haven't because the Red River's on an Amazon Prime. Or anywhere, I can't find it. But there's a scene in it when they're branding the cattle, and he's like, Brandon with the double D. And they're <laughs> like, basically, the other cattle from the other ranch came into their, yeah, their, their, their farm, their, their ranch, because it's all just open plains in Texas, and they just double brand them. It's awesome. <laughs> but no, the Red River and the Cowboys. I don't know. The Cowboys is really good too, in my opinion. But yeah, those two are my favorite. John Wayne movies. Yeah, I would say uh, my all-time favorite John Wayne performance is The Searchers. Okay, yeah, that's good. Ethan and The Searchers. I think that's like his most full, fully realized performance where he's like really... Because it's a very dark character for John Wayne. Yeah, that like, is. I mean, he's a fucking killer. He's, like, <laughs> he's I will fucking kill you. He's like, I'm going to kill all of you. Like you know, and when it, on his journey to try to get that girl back, and it's not until the end of the movie, it's like the whole catharsis of his character is that he lets go of his hatred because yeah. he's gonna fucking shoot this girl. I don't know. Searchers. And, searchers. And, and at the, the end of the movie, they find the, the, this girl the good thing about gets, the searchers too. What? Oh well, I was just gonna say like the scenery in the searchers is amazing. Oh, it's fucking gorgeous. Like it's yeah. all time greatest shot western maybe. It's ever. fucking awesome. Like I'm like, where's that? I want to go there. It has the perfect balance of like Hollywood studio, like studio feeling, and also like big giant vistas out there, like out in the in the Midwest. Yeah, like just those giant fucking uh, what what was it? Monument Valley, I think they shot of them. Which it's is. Like, amazing that looks awesome yeah but at the end of the searchers he they're looking for this girl who is kidnapped by the indians and they're raising her to be an indian it's taken them years to find her she's kind of been in dot brainwashed to think she's a, an indian kind of like a savage she's like a slave and uh she doesn't want to go with him she's terrified of him so she runs away and he's gonna fucking he chases her through a cave and he's gonna shoot her 
He's yeah. so mortified of what's happened to her that he doesn't think that she should live because of the abuse that she's endured. He's going to go put her down like a fucking animal. And it's not until like they and have that's like his niece and it's all, I think that's like his only bloodline too. Yeah. Cause Left. everybody else is dead. Yeah. And that movie is a dark as fuck movie. I, there's some like light, funny, mo- like silly moments for some, like the wedding and stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> like where Tom I, always, I'm like, pulls me out of the movie. I'm like, why? Uh, like I understand why. Cause they're trying to say, Oh, the, there's, there's hope in the youth. There's hope in the future. Yeah. Like that's what it's supposed to be. But there are moments that are so dark in the movie. You're like, you can't just fucking have John Wayne about to murder this little girl and then go to a wedding. Like it's too much for me. <laughs> but uh, but it's great. Also has one of the all time great iconic last shots of a movie with John Wayne standing in the doorway, sauntering back off into the wild because he knows he doesn't doesn't really belong. In yeah, the house. And, and I love that movie too. Just from like the. Um, as far as like how they dress the cowboys, like they dress them like real cowboys and make them wear like chaps and like cool yeah. shit. Like they actually like pay a lot of attention to the detail of like the saddle and like John Wayne's uh, gun cover and stuff. Yeah, if if you know like what people wear when they do that, so it's kind of cool that they do that. Yeah, that's actually you know one of the cool things. Kind of, it's used as kind of a f- to be funny in the shootest, which is like all this stuff about uh, he's always talking about. He's like, oh, I got a lot of the. I got a lot of the countryside on my suit when I need to get this brushed out. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, cause if you really just think about it, I was thinking about that cause I was watching, I was look, I was watching the movie and I see that John Wayne on his arm has got like this big like dirt mark. And I was like, huh. Oh, I was like, Oh, that's weird. I get, well, I guess and then I was thinking about, it, I was like, well, if you're riding a horse and shit, like, I guess that's what would happen. Just yeah. Dirt streets, everything's dusty. Like, and then he actually brings it up. I was like, ah, there you go. Yeah, gonna get that that thing brushed out. (laughs) And and you know the cool thing about like those kind of movies, like well, especially the shooters, what what it shows in that movie is like, if you think, okay, so in that movie it's like the turn of the century. They're starting to get motorized vehicles. They're finally getting electricity. Think about that moment, and then think about forty years later, and where technology advanced to. I know, and you could say that every forty years, and that's crazy. We live on different planets, and that's kind of one of the. It's like this became a thing that like a lot of westerns did from like the sixties up until like the nineties, which is like every western that was made was about the death of the west. It was all about industrialization coming. Yeah, like, that's the backdrop of like every western from like nineteen fifty six to like till Unforgiven's made. And like seriously, if you really yeah. think think about it, like up until Unforgiven's made, like they're all about that. Yeah, even, all, even, the, yeah. You, even like something like True Grit, it's kind of got that. Like True Grit, like you know, Rooster Cogburn's a fucking, he's a fossil. Yeah, he's from old. A, he's an old school. He's from an older generation, and they're all dealing with the same kind of things. Like the younger generation, they don't have the code, they don't have the respect. They all deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah, and um, and so like when you think of something like the shootest, like, and especially you think about the character, uh, uh, books, like that's where he's coming from. He's a guy that's completely displaced, like out of time, like all these old timers, they have no idea how to like function in the new, the new society. And they've also seen that with all of this convenience of technology, how much easier life is relatively speaking, right? It's not easy for us, but it was easier for them. How lazy that fucking made people in the same way that it is today. (laughs) Yeah, because think about this. 
they can just go and 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 they make several references in the movie where new things are coming out like dry cleaning like before mm -hmm. they used to just brush the suit yeah and then and then bonds is like well hey they have this new thing it's called dry cleaning and yeah. john wayne doesn't know what it is you know nobody really knows what it is but just think about when and and she makes a reference to in in her home she's like yeah we have electricity in every room to be able to switch a light on yeah yeah just yeah, think about the ease of that like where before yes. if you wanted light you had to light, light a fucking candles. lantern or something <laughs> you're walking around with candles and shit <laughs> yeah and it's and it's it's same thing like that we experienced today like you know if you think about like something from the candle to the light bulb to something like the fucking uh a computer to a cell phone like yeah. these are giant leaps that fundamentally change the way you live your life. Yeah, they and do. we don't even fucking acknowledge it anymore. We just expect it now. Now we're like entitled to it. Now yeah, we get pissed off. We're like, we're like the computer's too slow. Fucking load. Like we're on our phones. We're like, why is my phone not working the way I want it to? What do you think the last greatest advancement was? like electricity was it the smartphone that like advanced like where people were like that was like the ease of access was so much yeah, better i think like that's actually had like a like a tangible impact on culture and society yeah. the smartphone 100 percent. yeah, yeah. Uh, the and, smartphone is probably going to be the thing that kills us <laughs> <laughs> and here's another thing too sean if you didn't if you didn't know in unforgiven and and the shooters it takes place in the same time in the same year because in the unshooting, the queen dies. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And in Unforgiven, the queen dies too. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're 100%. Oh, no, I'm actually wrong. Are you sure? Hold on. Let me look up. I'm wrong. Because in Unforgiven, the president dies. The president gets shot in America. And I think, I don't know, maybe I'm could. The president dies. The president doesn't, the president get shot in Unforgiven? I think so. And English Bob says, well, a queen can't get shot or assassinated. Yeah, yeah. He says she can't be assassinated. Yeah. What year does it take place? What? I mean, it's, it is around the same time because a lot of the same things are happening. Uh, yes. It takes place. Uh, so this actually technically would be about 20 years before. Okay. The shootist. The shootist is 1901 ish um even the actually the thing with queen victoria is actually it was actually didn't happen that year it happened like a year later but they just oh what just, the they, fuck yeah they fucked it up in the movie but uh but yeah so Un unforgiven takes place between 1880 and 1881 but the sentiment like the, the what the what's happening to the world is still like the yeah. same thing they're in the midst of this transitionary period and the idea of what it meant to be a famous gunslinger i mean unforgiven just goes through it even more like it just is more explicit about it. Yes. I mean, literally, English Bob's entire character exists in the same way that kind of uh, John Wayne's character uh, exists in The Shootist, because except he's a bullshit artist. He's actually just like good at shooting guns. He's has no legend, and he was a coward as he comes to as like the guy that's like chronicling his life comes to find out when he's in prison. Gene Hackman. Yeah. Rather and than, really, he made his living off of killing like the Chinaman on the railroads. Yeah, and Gene Hackman exposes him. He's like, you're a yes. fraud. You're a fucking fraud, and I know you're a fraud because I was there. 
Yeah. And so all of this, all of this, the legend of of uh, of of Bill just completely just gets evaporated. And and here's the thing: I don't I don't know if this is like in like the Shootist and in these other movies like the Unforgiven, which I've kind of this is how like I don't know if this is how people actually were, but how they portray them in movies is that they were like rugged people. I would think you have to be. They were just like fucking rugged. Well, like, there's just as like far natural, as like just your natural neutral state, you have to be. Yeah, like, like they think didn't, if you're a hard ass killer. You really gotta be rugged. But even like even like the side like the Bonds or like the Hookers and Unforgiven, they're like, like they're not getting fucking upset about dumb shit. No, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> like they're just like, like you can insult them like verbally, and it's it seems in the movies it's not gonna like phase them. Well, I think that's just it's a cultural difference because like they have like you said, they had like real problems, real concerns, real violence. Yeah. Uh, Somebody saying a mean word to them was not violence. Maybe Which you're is... an asshole, but like you're not being violent. Nowadays we would say like you visit upon this verbal violence upon me. Like that's how people talk nowadays. And back then yeah. it's just like they didn't have time for that shit. Nobody had time for that shit. Honestly, it's one of the things that you see in a lot of these movies when you see like the noble gunman, the noble gunfighter kind of like books or uh, Clint Eastwood's character in Unforgiven, at least towards the end, how patient they are. Right? Yeah. When books rolls into town, he has like this little weird altercation with this dude, calls him like a dumb old man basically. And Gillum's there as well. And you know that John Wayne could just shoot him. <laughs> he could just fucking end his ass. But he's he actually takes it in stride. He's like, oh, okay. Because that's a man who's confident. Like He's not insecure about who he is or what he can do. Like He doesn't give a shit about you. Yeah. He doesn't care about you. Like, and he also understands like what he's capable of versus what you are. Like, And he has like a respect for that. You know? Yeah, and, and it just and and in those movies, like they could talk to somebody a certain way, and I guess it was just like it was okay. Like like there'll just be like certain lines where John Wayne will just like order people around, and or just like say something, and it's fine. Well, they even kind of have a scene in this where he's like he's pissing off Gillum. Yeah, <laughs> because he keeps calling him boy. Instead of being a dick or whatever, he's just like, fair enough. All right, Gillum. Yeah. But Gillum stands up. Yeah. Yeah, he stands up to him a little bit. Which is awesome. I love that scene. <laughs> and, and and the other scene I love, too, is his pillow. Cowie's around that stupid fucking pillow that he got from a hooker. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He says that. It's a, it's a, Most people would miss that. But well, he, he mentions it. But I was he wondering. He says it to the doc. When he says it to the doc, I was wondering if he was telling the truth or not. Like, I don't know. And I can't remember. It might have been in the book. Um, but, you know, that's the, the cost of listening to audiobooks. Sometimes you kind of like things go over your head a little bit. Or you zone out for a second. Yeah. But um, I don't. I was wondering. It was, I was like, is that just a joke? Is it something a little more meaningful? Is it like his mom's or something? Like, I don't know. I, well, if you look at the pillow itself, it looks like a pillow from that a would hole. come from a saloon. Yeah, I guess so, right? Yeah. You know, and I and I and I think the reason why he says that it's like to show who he is as like a like that's who he was like he was like he was an outlaw like he would go to those kind of places, you know, like his morals weren't 
you know, he was fine. And even, even, even the girl that comes back to try to get his name, the way she's dressed and the way she represents is that like, she's like a saloon girl almost. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. That he lived kind of a fast and loose, loose lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, I don't know. was going to whorehouses back then. Was that like even a big deal? Well, I think only, I don't know. I mean, it seems like a lot of people went to whorehouses. Well, I don't. Well, I think there was like I think in like those movies it makes it seem like that, but I think like the normal Joe that had a family wasn't going. Well, this is I would no probably not that obviously, but I think like uh, everybody probably did it once. It's like probably. one of those things. It was like something you did probably when you were at least when you were a teenager or something. Like that's how you would go lose your virginity. Which you would know, be kind of cool to know, like that. Uh, you know, I want to get more into like that kind of. Because I, right. I, like, I, I want to pres- learn more about the history of it. Well, but this is the thing, though, like because when we watch westerns, it's always presented as just like, yeah, it's there. There's whorehouses. There's a. It's in the saloon. People go upstairs. Like that's just the way it is. Yeah. Because like, but this, the whorehouses are like in the heart of the city. Like it's They're not, right there. Like, it's not off to the side. You don't have to go down a dark trail or down an alley. No, like it's fucking on. It's on Main Street. Yeah. So it couldn't have been like that big of a deal in terms of like people caring that it was happening because you have like the sense that probably back then, especially like this patriarchal sense of like, hey, you know, men, they have needs and they travel a lot, long distances, lonely nights. Maybe there was some sort of rationalization for it being kind of like, okay. You know, it's often referred to as like America's oldest, noblest profession, the whore, the hoe. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and and the other thing too is that they make them like at the, they integrate them into the bar. It's just like one thing. It's just a saloon. No, it's part of the yeah. It's part of the bar. Yeah, and, and the bar and the the guy who owns the bar is usually like their their pimp or whatever. Yeah, but they weren't really pimps. It was more just like honestly, like just he was like the manager and make sure people got money and people didn't beat up the girls. Like that was his job. <laughs> when do you think those started to phase out? Uh, probably turn of the century, I imagine. You think so? Yeah, I think once you started having more formal, like, police presence, laws and ratifications and kind of regional... And that's when that all came about? I would imagine. You know, it would be See, I don't even know any of this would, shit. See, but it would be interesting, because, like, you got to think, all right, so this movie, The Shooters, takes place uh 1901. Mm-hmm. I mean, they tried Prohibition, like, 40 years later. Not even 40. Or 40 years later. Then they try to when they they banning alcohol thirty years later. I think it was in the nineteen thirties. Yeah, and that was like religious groups and uh, mother groups uh, that basically got together and yeah, nineteen twenty to nineteen thirty three. So it'd been like twenty years after this. But so I assume it's people like that that went in and started uh, having morality clauses and making moral laws, morality laws. Huh. About stuff like that, because that back in the day, like with prohibition, I imagine it was probably very similar to prohibition. It was like angry wives and old ladies, uh, sick and tired of their husbands, like hanging out at the bars all the time. They wanted to go yeah. bust shit up. They got the support of the church, that ends up kind of catching on and actually takes place for about a decade, which is why we have uh, organized crime actually develops out of that. That's where the mob comes from. Yeah. So basically. Back in those days, prostitution wasn't against the law. I don't think so. I can't imagine, right? 
No, because it's no in way. every movie. I mean, I've seen, exactly. I don't. As far as the movies tell me, no. <laughs> but, but I I wonder when the year it was actually made elite like illegal to do. Was outlawed? See. Yeah, like when was it outlawed Possibly. to not be able to do that in America? Nineteen uh, fifteen. Oh, the United okay. States prostitution was at best sporadically controlled until the passage of the Federal Man Act. In 1910, which prohibited interstate transportation of women for immoral purposes, by 1915, nearly all states had passed laws that banned brothels or regulated profits of prostitution. Yeah, so brothels got outlawed effectively in 1910 is when they passed the bill. By 1915, rather, all of the states kind of signed on to it. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's kind of interesting. Another end of an era, Michael. Imagine how bummed those guys were. Like, fuck. Oh, yeah. He used to be able but, to go down to the hoe house. But that was like the same kind of thing. Like, you know, that was like the turn of the century. All that Western, Wild West, no more outlaw. Like, you know. Yeah. As soon as, as, soon as basically the, the fucking locomotive comes, like, oh, it's over. Shit. The West is done. Like, done. Because, because, like, industrialization can happen as far as the eye can see. There is no longer, like, basically your sense of freedom gets completely augmented and changed you know, at the turn of the century. Dude, think how free those people were back then. Yeah, but they also used to die a lot, too. <laughs> I know they did. I know. That's why Which, I see like, you'd have to be, like, a rough fucking dude to live back then. Well, like you said, I, everybody was rough. Like, by yeah. especially imagine by today's standards. Oh, my God. We're, like, really... We're very silly. Comparatively yeah. to those people, you know? Think about taking a bath, man. Probably won't take... You know, just to fucking take a bath. Think how much work that is. Exactly. Just to do anything. <laughs> you gotta drink of water. To go like take a piss, to wipe your ass, like everything was like work. Yeah, everything was way more. (laughs) That's crazy. Anyways, man, maybe it made life more meaningful. I don't know, but uh, I, I, I enjoyed the movie. I've always enjoyed it since I was a kid. I think it's a great performance by John Wayne. Overall, like I said, I give it an eight. I, I enjoy it, and I recommend if you like John Wayne movies to watch it. Yeah, I would agree. I like I said, I give it like a seven out of ten, like a very solid seven two. It could go up in later in my life, repeat viewings. But I think if you're a John Wayne fan, you owe it to yourself. If you've never seen it, like myself, shockingly enough, I can't. I kind of can't believe I had never seen this. Me too. But, I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm just as surprised as you are. There's, I have a lot of weird blind spots that I've been filling in over the past couple of years. Like watching a lot more older stuff, even though like I have a pretty well versed and older film, but even I have tons of. I mean, there's so many movies, dude. Like, there's two thousands fucking of fucking movies. So, uh, I'm really happy you suggested it again. Like, this was kind of like, uh, <laughs> not in the same way that I appreciate a cocktail. Cocktail <laughs> was a good time, but the shootest is, I think, is a really solid movie, and I think John Wayne is great in it. I think the whole cast is really good, actually. I think everybody is pretty good. Lauren Bacall is very good as Bond. Yeah, Even she's Opie, very good. Opie's good. Um, I the only the the only thing I really wish though is I wish that it was a little bit more involved with like make me not like those villains a little bit more and maybe add some deeper stakes to what's going. Yeah. on. Yeah, I, I I I agree with you with that. Like the villains in the movie. Frankly, there, there's well in the movie. There's no, you, you just kind of. There's only one background to Sweeney because John Wayne killed his brother. Yeah, and that's all you really get. Yeah, that's all you get. Yeah, 
That's all you get. They're there just completely as out of like plot function. They're there plot to kill him at the end. They're there to have that fight, and it's like, and I I wish that there was a reason for me as the audience to either feel ambiguous about what's going on. Like, what if they weren't that bad of dudes? Like, what if there was something another a different wrinkle that may that complicates the end of the movie in a way that it doesn't at all. It doesn't even or, attempt to. It just makes you see the cob guy be a real fucking asshole. And shoot some old man in the back, and that's about it. Like, yeah, or 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 this too. Um, well, in his defense, Cobb shot him when he was shooting at him first. Oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah. yeah, but the thing is, this what I the only thing I don't like about it is that I always questioned why those guys would even show up to the saloon in the morning. Because I could understand why Sweeney would, because John Wayne killed his brother. Yeah. And so he wanted to get revenge off of him. But I always question why the other two would. I know. They may, there's like a very brief scene with Cobb where Cobb is like, is told that he's in town and he's like, nah, I don't care. And then ends up kind of caring because he's like looking for a notch on his belt. Basically. Is that, is that all it is for him? I th- yeah, I think so. I think it's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to put down this famous gunslinger. And then the milk guys just, I guess just a follower, <laughs> like a lackey. <laughs> I don't know. See, that's the only thing I question. I understood why Sweeney would show up, but but the other two, I I feel like Cobb is that was the only thing I didn't. Cobb is like a he's just a matter of vanity. Okay, like it just like that's what he does. So he just went to do it. Actually, you know who I don't understand? The bartender. That guy. That guy. What the fuck happened with the? Why did the bartender turn on him? Well, isn't 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 he in cahoots with? uh, I Cobb, guess, I guess so. Yeah, because Cobb owns like a table. Yeah, that must be why. That's a pretty weak ass motivation. Like, well, that's what I. Out. That's what I always thought. That's what I. Put <laughs> but it thing. also, you know, it's a kind of a nice dovetail too about what John Wayne says to uh, to young Gillum. He's like, it's not going to be some fucking gunfighter uh, that puts you yeah. down. It's going to be some yokel local asshole that gets lucky, and that's yes. exactly what happens to him. That's what happens. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Kind of interesting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks a lot, Mike, for uh, suggesting the movie and coming to talk about it. If you'd like to know more about Zoobox, there's a bunch of links in the description for Facebook, for Instagram, for my Twitter, for Dan's Twitter, also our other YouTube channel, just in case something happens to this one, and over our, our D Live channel, where we do live streaming right now. Um, and if you'd like to see us talk about something else in the future, just throw it in the comments and we'll put it on the list. All right, everybody. Goodbye. Peace. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Yeah.